0: So, let's talk about second peter uh, we're gonna be second peter three now we we already talked about three one and two I'll, I'll read it again but we did already talk about chapter three verses one and two this is now the second letter i'm writing to you beloved and both of them i am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should not or that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the lord and savior through your apostles now we talked about this when we talked about the introduction of the book uh, so I'm not going to go over it in detail again, but what's his point? Okay, I'm, I'm reminding you, I'm stirring you up by way of reminder that you'll be thinking about these things. Remember these things, right? That you should consider, and the idea that he's saying is have these things in your mind, the predictions of the apostles and the prophets, right? The pre, uh, Rather, the predictions of the holy prophets, the commandments of the Lord and Savior that were given through the apostles, right? Have them firmly in your mind. Now, chapter 3, 3 through 10, he's going to have a specific... Uh, kind of thing that he's reminding them, right? He's reminding them of the prophet, uh, the, the things the prophet said, the predictions and the commandments. Well, there's a specific uh, prediction and commandment that he's going to remind them in chapter 3. So uh, let's read the rest of this section of the text. Uh, we're going to read 3 through 10 all at once and then we'll talk about it. We'll break it down. Uh, so let's read 2 Peter 3 3 through 10. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For this, they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by the means of of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with the roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. I know that was a long reading. We're going to break it down more as we go through. What's he reminding them? Okay, I'm stirring you up by way of reminder that you'll remember the predictions and the commandments. In this text, in this particular chapter, what prediction he is coming back that's a prediction right the lord will return that is definitely a prediction that's the thing he wants to remind them of that they would be firmly implanted in their minds and i would say our minds too right that that idea and it really is a foundational concept in christianity the idea that the lord is coming back should always be in our minds it should that should be ever present now maybe we're not you think about the way the human mind works Maybe we're not consciously thinking about it all the time, but we should definitely have it in the back of our minds at all times. The Lord could come back whenever. Now, he does this idea of scoffers, right, which he talks about at the beginning here. The scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Let's talk about last days for a minute. Last days is now. Last days is from... So the rise of the New Testament seemed to imply that they are in the last days, uh, the last days is basically from Jesus' ascension. And you, the way you want to say it, maybe it's not from Jesus' ascension. Maybe from the establishment of the church or the day of Pentecost. You could, you could. There's a number of different time periods you could start at. Uh, but let, let's just say for the sake of argument, the day of Pentecost. From the day of Pentecost to when Jesus comes back. That's the last days. That is the last section of time the way that God's going to deal with people in this last covenant with humanity, right? It's not, it's the last covenant is a way we could think about it. There's not going to be another covenant after this that God deals with people differently, right? He had the covenant with Abraham. Uh, He had the covenant with Adam way back in the beginning. He had the covenant with Noah, which is still in effect. He had the covenant with Moses, like all these different covenants that God used to relate to people. This is the last one. The covenant of Jesus is the last one. And so we are in the last days. This is the last period of time before Jesus comes back. Now, his point is apt, right? In the last days, there will come scoffers saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Now, at the end of the day, the point is what? People will doubt his return. Now, that happens today, 100%. It happens, it's interesting, there's a lot of different kinds of ways the scoffing can come about, obviously. In their day, it's like, well, the fathers fell asleep. So it's, again, he's talking about maybe people in in the past. All things are continuing as that from the beginning of the creation, they believe in creation and a God in some sense. So it's just more about, well, he's not come back yet, so he probably won't ever come back. You know, the scoffing today is... Why would you even believe in Jesus at all? Or why would you believe in creation? Or why would you believe in the Bible? But it's scoffing nonetheless, right? The point is that people doubt his return. And and the, the point is apt that he makes here. And this only gets more accurate as time goes on, right? It's been 2,000 years now. E- ever since, things are just keeping on as they were from the beginning of creation, right? And the further we get from this time, the further we get from Jesus, the more deeply felt that will be. It's been 2,000 years. When is he going to come back? Why hasn't he come back yet? They thought he would come back soon from their perspective. Well, it's been 2,000 years. Where is he? Why is he taking so long? Is the question, right? And so his section, the next part of the text there, they deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. What are they overlooking? Well, God's destroyed the world before, and there were scoffers then who probably doubted Noah. And yet, at the end of the day, what? That was it. It was over. God destroyed it all with water at that point, right? By the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are being kept for fire or stored up for fire rather being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. So we have this transition point. They, they're overlooking the fact that it already happened, that it's going to happen again. This time it's going to be with fire instead of water. So let's talk about the next section, which is I, there's a couple of things I want to say about this section of the text in three, eight through 10. Do not overlook. So again, he con- contrasts this, right? They overlook what? Well, God destroyed the world before with water but do not overlook what? This one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Okay, let's talk about this briefly. This text has nothing to do with creation. She's going to throw it out there. This text is commonly used. I shouldn't say commonly. I've heard it fairly often that this text is used as an argument for an extended period of creation, right? The extended days that that doesn't have anything to do with this text. You could make that argument if you want to in a different way, right? The idea, well, maybe the days in Genesis one are figurative and it's millions of years, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. You could make that argument. This text does not support that argument. Because this text just doesn't have anything to do with that. There is a specific point when he says a day is as a thousand years as a thousand years is one day. There's only one point to this text, and it doesn't have anything to do with creation. The point is the way that God looks at time, right? Because what's the question in the text? Okay, well, at the beginning, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing, Right. Uh, why hasn't he come back yet? And then the idea of slowness. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, but is patient towards you. The question is, why has Jesus not returned? And in answer to that, a thousand years is his day, and a day is his a thousand years with the Lord. God does not view time the way you view time. That's his point, right? God is not thinking about things in this linear, oh, here's a day, and then here's a day, and then here's a day. He doesn't need to go through all the days like that. From God's perspective, there's no difference between a thousand years and a day. He views time in in a different way than we do. So when we think about the slowness of God, why has he not come back yet To him, he's viewing all of history at once. He has the whole plan in mind. He has the whole view in mind. He has the whole of existence in mind. And and so his plan, whenever it is that he's going to send Jesus back, is part of a unified whole. It's not like he's making it up as he goes. It's not like he's like, well, should I send him today? I don't know. Let's think about whether I should. Let's weigh the pros and cons. It's not how he's doing it. There was a plan from the beginning. This is the plan, and it is what it is. For us, it seems a long time, right? Because we have to go through it day by day as linear people who view time linearly. But again, what's his point? The Lord is not slow, but is patient. He's not considering time the way that you do. And he's not hes not dallying. He's not being uh, lazy. He's being patient with you. Let's keep reading. Uh, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, but as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief and the heaven heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. What's the point? Why does God wait? God waits so more people can be saved. Now, as part of balancing with that, the longer he waits the more people will be lost right there's a there's a balancing act that god has to do that i'm oh man i'm glad i don't have to do it because i would not do it well i'm sure but there is a balancing act the longer god delays yes more people can be converted and more people can repent and more evangelism can happen and and ultimately as this keeps going on more people are born so yeah more people can be saved but also the opposite is true. More people are lost every day while God delays. The patience, which he, he talks about later on in the... Oh, I should have had this on the, the screen, but I don't. Uh, if we go to Second Peter at the end of the book, because it does tie into this. Um, I could have it on the screen really quick. Sorry, i am delayed really quickly. Uh, in 2 Peter 3.15, 2 Peter 3.15, I'll have it on the screen because I know some people aren't using their Bibles and that's fine. Uh, slideshow, from current slide. Huzzah, I did it. Uh, 2 Peter 3.15, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation just as our beloved Paul also wrote to you concerning the wisdom given him. We've already talked about this text too, but the point I want to make is what? The patience of the Lord is salvation. More people have a chance to repent. And what's the point then? We'll talk about the point next week. Obviously, the end of the book is going to be about the point. What's the point? Well, be ready because you don't know when he's coming back. And the point that he makes about Noah and the flood, right? They were scoffing then, I'm sure, but then the the floods came and they were deluged and everybody was lost and that was the end of it. They should have been ready for that, but Noah was the only one who was ready. You be ready because destruction is coming, right? And that's his point. The Lord, the day of the Lord will come like a thief when nobody's expecting it, nobody's aware, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth that are and the works that are done on it will be exposed. A couple of final points before we wrap it up. One, what's going to happen with the day of the Lord? He's not going to come and set up a new kingdom here. He comes and things will be destroyed. Everything will pass away with fire is what Peter says. And that will happen when, when he comes back the day of the Lord. So there's not going to be this, this intervening time where he comes back and then there's a delay and then things are destroyed. When he comes back, that's it. The heavens and the heavenly bodies. When we talk about heavenly bodies, I think he's talking about planets, things that are in the heavens, right? Things that are suspended in space. They'll be burned up and dissolved. That happens when he comes back. There's no intervening time period. That's it for us. There's no second chances. There's no, well, maybe if I, there's going to be the tribulation and the rapture and things will happen. No, 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 that's just not it. He's going to come back. Everything will be destroyed. Judgment will happen. That's the end. Even though people doubt it. And it's easy to doubt. It's easy to think, why has he not come back yet? What is Why is he delaying? Why is he waiting? He's waiting for you. In two ways. For you to get your act together. And for you to talk to more people about Jesus. For you to evangelize to more people. That's what he's waiting for. So let's get out and do it. Let's end in a prayer. God, we thank you for The reminder that Peter has given us. Help us to take it to heart, to have firmly in our minds the coming of your Son, that we'd be aware that it could happen at any time like a thief. Help us to be doing the work that we need to be doing while we wait, to be reaching the lost, to be living the life that you want us to live. We love you and we know that you are patient with us. We thank you for your patience. Help us to be patient with others as we Teach them diligently and patiently, trying to teach them and show them their need for you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.